0: You're listening to Worshipology with Curtis Parks, a biblical, practical, and spiritual conversation about living and leading worship. Let's lean into today's episode. Well, hey, listen, I'm so excited for today's podcast. I had a Zoom call with Pastor Greg Ford up in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, he is the lead pastor of an incredible church and a lot of wisdom, a lot of insights in today's podcast. I cannot wait for you to hear it. Before I get there, I just wanted to share a bit of exciting news uh, from my world to your world. This has been about three years in the making. That's right. Uh, worshipology, the book comes out this week. I am so excited. This has been uh, a labor of love. And uh, you can go to worshipologybook.com. You can order it, uh, get a copy for you, get a copy for a friend, maybe your team. And listen, if you want to order 10 or more copies, get a bulk discount. Uh, I would encourage you to go to curtisparks.com or shoot me an email Kurt at curtisparks.com, both of those with a K. And I will give you a great rate. Uh, my heart is to get this into the hands of worship leaders and worship teams everywhere. And listen, some of the things I talk about in this book are so near to my heart. I'm talking about uh, diversity in the church, how to lead a multi-generational, multicultural worship team. I'm talking about consecration. I'm talking about repentance. I'm talking about what does it mean to be a worship pastor. And every single chapter in the book closes with a thought from a well-known uh, worship leader, worship pastor. Uh, some of these worship leaders you may not know, others you definitely will know. People like Paul Wilbur, Aaron Keyes, Chrissy Nordoff, a Grammy winner, Dwan Hill. Uh, the list goes on. I didn't do this book alone. I think it's going to be a valuable resource for you, for your team, worshipologybook.com. Okay, now here is my conversation with Pastor Greg Ford. Well, hey, thanks so much for joining us on Worshipology today. I'm excited because up until this point, we've had a lot of worship leaders, creatives, artists, and uh, even some songwriters on the podcast. But today uh, we have a lead pastor of a church and not just any lead pastor, Greg Ford, lead pastor of One Church in Columbus, Ohio. Thanks for joining us, brother.
1: Hey, man, thanks for having me.
0: You know, what's interesting is that, and we were just talking about this a little bit before we hit the record button, is that you don't think of worship leaders and pastors being the same person, but let's be honest, like most times that lead pastor sets a tone for worship. If it's a reserved pastor, you can look around and kind of see a reserved setting of church. If it's a pastor that just goes for it, you know, I've I've sat under Mark Batterson. I've sat under now sitting under uh, Brian Briggs as our lead pastor. I've been in room settings with you, Pastor Greg, and you just lean in instead of lean back. Talk about that. Just a minute. What does it look like for a lead pastor who's passionate about worship? What does that look like as is, a is lead pastor, a worship leader?
1: Yeah, man. Well, first of all, man, thank you for having me on uh, this podcast and I think it's great what you're doing. I have such respect for you, man. I think you are an incredibly talented guy and just very genuine and and uh, intelligent. And so uh, to be able to jump into this conversation, man, means a lot. And um, yeah, I think when I think about worship, man, I think about, um, I actually think about the scripture where David says, "Bless God with the harp," yeah, and the fact that he was a harp player. You know, I think kind of everybody's kind of has their harp, their gifts. You know, whether it's um, their their talents around how they use their body or their mind. Or, or um, I was actually I was I was reading recently a uh, one of Mark Batterson's books about he it was a book Whisper and he was talking about the different kinds of smart. I think it was like eight different kinds of smart. It was like body smart, number smart. Um, uh, there's music smart, right? There's a, a, There was a bunch of them, interpersonal, um, nature smart. There's a bunch of those things. And I think w- where we're gifted um, to take that instrument and to worship God with it uh, really is the essence of, of, of worship and focusing on him and uh, putting everything aside um, and focusing on his character and, and, mm-hmm. and bonding and connecting with God. And I think it looks a lot of different ways for different people, but, you know, to have the unity and the kinetic energy of the people uh, in the room and, and um, to see the people around you uh, getting lost in God's presence. And certainly as a pastor, in many ways, people look to you as a leader. So to, to model that without being self-conscious um, is is I think inspirational to people in the church. Sets a powerful example, and then for me, I know it just prepares my heart and my attitude uh, to to deliver God's word. Um, mm. So and to lead well, to lead better, and and so I uh, I take it very seriously.
0: You know, it's interesting when you talk about the context of a service. And in most services all across the world, you know, it opens with worship, goes into a message. And then, you know, sometimes we'll have this response time of worship on the back end of that message. You know, a lot of times growing up, I would hear, you know, worship sets the stage for the message. But here later, I would say in the last five years, what I've really realized is that worship is a message. And then what happens in the word of God being presented is like, like this, just one message complementing another message when you've got the worship of God and the word of God being delivered in such a cohesive way. What does that look like for you as a lead pastor when you're communicating with your worship leader in the context of a service how do those two things marry together word and worship and do you build a sermon off of a song or do you pick a song to kind of complement the sermon or how do those two things kind of interact with one another and we're both smiling because we've been on this side of the table uh i'd love to hear your thoughts on that man
1: yeah so um it's funny you know you when you have pastors and worship leaders and musicians and You know, we're all we're we're all presenting uh, in a sense of a piece of art and we're trying to collaborate and work together and and be cohesive. Uh, One of the personalities on our team, uh, Christy Poole, is she's really, really organized and she's great. She loves the plan. Uh, Very detail oriented. And so in Christy's happy place, uh, I would tell her what's my last word going to be four weeks (laughs) from now in that sermon and, and exactly what the theme is and what the three points are and what text I'm going to use. And so, cause she would love to bring the most appropriate, uh, relevant worship song to really button up that moment. And every once in a while we do that. Like there are times where I'll, I'll get super clear, uh, and give her that runway. And, and, um, and then there are sometimes times where, and this is part of just, I think, probably the creativity of how I, how I operated, even probably my style of communication is it's a very imperfect style. So like, I'm not manuscripted. I'm not reading stuff. I would rather have ums and uhs and some of that I, be maybe fundamentally unsound. I, I don't mind putting my hands in my pockets or just, you know, all of that, like to me, I would rather have that authenticity. So for me, sometimes I will get a last minute thought or I'll pivot. Uh, and, and to be able to kind of flow together is important, you know, and we, we do have a, a guy on our team too, uh, blaze Johnson jr. Who, who he just, I mean, this dude is a freak of nature. I mean, he, he can just pull something out of nowhere. Right. (laughs) So I think with that, instead of trying to make each other different, I think you got to kind of know each person and then how we mesh as a team, even almost like we're playing basketball or something like that. Like how do we zig and zag together? How do we know how God's uniquely gifted each one, not get frustrated with each other, but also not stop trying to grow as individuals. Like I need to get better at giving more notice and, you know, tricking my brain to get as put pressure on it, to get decisive on, you know, two weeks earlier or or five days early to get decisive because the more we can do that, the more I'm setting them all up for success. So I think it's a dance we do as a team, learning to trust each other and really learning uh, each person's gifting and, and then and then seeing it as something we're all doing together instead we're doing three things separately, you know?
0: That's so good. And I think that's one of the things that really makes a pastor worship leader relationship work is that synergy. It's that working together, not siloing off like, Hey, I'm doing the message over here. You pick all the songs over here, but the more collaboration that happens in that, I think the more incredible Sundays will be. And talk to me for a little bit about that relationship between worship leader and lead pastor. How do you foster that from your, I mean, because we've had worship leaders talk about how they foster that with their lead pastor, but I think it'd be so interesting for our listeners, a lot of whom are worship leaders and worship team members, and some are full-time with the church, some are just volunteer, but like for them to hear from a lead pastor uh, and someone who does it so well on such a great level, Um, and you guys have that worship culture. We'll talk about that in just a moment, but fostering that relationship, what are you looking for in that? Is it an everyday thing? Is it just a quick touch point once a week? Is it a monthly longer meeting? What, what, what's that perfect balance for you and how does it work at one church?
1: Yeah. So I'll tell you how it works for us and then I'll give maybe some broad advice. So, so like my, I I'm a creative guy and I I really like music. Uh, I'm a fan of music, and, and and so the the musical expression of worship uh, to me is something I'm I'm interested in and into, and I get involved with. So like, I'll have ideas for like arrangements or tags, or hey, what if we mash up these two songs? Or um, you know, I, I just get these ideas. So I'll go in there. Now I'm not I'm not a great uh, I'm not a good singer or even average singer. So. I can't necessarily execute, but I'll go in and try to tease out the ideas and sing it a little flat or sharp or whatever, and just to kind of uh, do that. So I, I do get involved in, in some of the creative stuff, not not necessarily week in and week out micromanaging the set or, or anything like that, but I do enjoy creativity. I like making art. I like doing that stuff. And then I really like our team. So I just enjoy uh, the camaraderie of of coming up with something creative together and see what we come out with, you know? And so I will see it sometimes as my job to get, um, to, to get us going, get a little, get the object in motion. You know, I think it's Newton's uh, third ball or something, but to to get it in motion and then, but then not feel, um, not feel like dogmatic about it's gotta be exactly this way. Like I just kind of want to get the creative juices flowing Mm-hmm. and then and then see and then get everybody a little ownership in it so i'll give you i'll give you a quick ex- example we we just did um our fall launch this last week and uh we have a a, a woman in our church who she was like a two direct to choir 200 voices we found out she was in the church like hey would you help us a new choir you know because i mean choir you can kind of throw people up there you can do it right and unless you have a pro like this lady's a pro so we found out we had her, So. so I started getting these ideas, and I was like, "Hey, for September, what if we do the Earth, Wind, and Fire?" September is kind of the like baseline, nice. whatever, and then we just start throwing in like throwbacks. Friend of God, <laughs> come on, um, man! You know we had written original, so I I kind of like so I went in, I get the team together, I like play, <laughs> I play Earth, Wind, and Fire, and then I start singing Friend of God over top of it, and I start singing. Now, that was all I needed to do. I literally could have just left because now they're going to take it and you know they took it and they just took it to the end. Hey, let's bring in horns and let's add this in and then let's pull this. So I didn't need to micromanage all of it. But now that's me, but I love that stuff. Like I'll, mm-hmm. I'll sit and watch uh, documentaries of the making of different kinds of art. I just enjoy that. If a pastor's like, hey man, that's great for you. That's not for me. Um, I, I, I don't think you have to do it that way. I mean, I think if, if that's truly who you are and that's in you, then that's a fun way to bond. And I do think you read that. Like I've read that with that team. So I've read trust with them. I think also, mm. um, we bonded, you know, over that stuff. So I think there is a level of connection there. They know I care about what they care about and I care about them and, and, uh, all of that. So there's that. If you're not, though, I do think, I do think areas where you're not necessarily gifted, you can still be curious. Oh, that's good. So, so I think like, it, you know, there, there might be a, a well, let's say a culture you're not familiar with. Okay. Somebody comes in dressed in uh, clothing that you don't understand. Okay well, I can either ignore it or I can get, I can choose even to get really Mm -hmm. curious about, like, I wonder what that means. Like, I wonder where that's coming from. I wonder what. And so I think for like pastors, uh, maybe who don't find themselves naturally creative or naturally musical or naturally artistic to develop a level of curiosity around that. And to even just go be a fly on the wall and watch how they work and take an interest in that almost like you would your own kids, you know, Mm -hmm. if if you were a ball player and your kid is really into uh, um, uh, music, you know, band. Okay. You can either go, well, you know, I'm a ball player or you can go, man, tell me about the tuba. And I want to watch what you're doing. So I think sort of taking on a natural creativity, watching what they do and, and finding out how what you can do to help them kind of entering in their world with them, I think goes a long, long way. In uh, you know, that synergy.
0: You know, what's interesting is that I think it can work both ways. I think for worship leaders and worship teams, they can have a lot of takeaways from being more curious about what does it go into preparing a message? What does it go into pastoring a church? Because you know, we've said it plenty of times on this worship podcast is that you know, there's worship leaders who lead songs. Worship pastors who lead people, or as Seth Putnam put it last week, worship pastors who pastor people. We don't need any more worship leaders. We need people that can lead people in song and in worship. And so, you know, as we are trying to learn as worship pastors and worship leaders, what does it look like to pastor? Like, and you know, part of my story, Pastor Greg. I mean, I planted a church in Nashville, and so I have a kindred heart for lead pastors. I have a kindred heart. I know part of what you've gone through to get i know the blood, sweat, and tears that it takes to plant a church. And we've been there and done that. And my wife and I have walked through those seasons where you just feel like I've got nothing left. And now as a worship pastor here in the Richmond area, when I have that conversation with Pastor Brian, it's at a different perspective than it was before because I walked in his shoes. And so I think that For those worship leaders who can get a glimpse of you know hey what does it look like to to pastor this congregation or to prepare a message and how can i uh learn and put my curious hat on to figure that out and what's what's the truth about it all is that a lot of times for churches that are releasing original music as what you guys do at one church what we do here at destination and many churches around the country is a lot of our lyric fuel comes from those messages. It comes from those moments of pastoring people. And so talk to me a little bit about y'all's worship culture, because there is a definite vibe when you walk into one church, and there's just it, to me it just feels like a party man i mean and, and you've been really intentional about creating that culture and i would say that would be just from my perspective of knowing you for these last four or five years I, I see that in you that you are very uniquely gifted in setting culture what does that look like at one church and how are you intentional about it and then when it comes to the music and the worship because music is so cultural uh, how can we steward that as worship leaders?
1: That's a great, great question. Um, yeah, so i I think uh I think what's interesting, especially when you think about the relationship between music and worship, um music is actually quite polarized in mm. general, right So if you go, it can be, I should say, it can be mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. if if I was to stand up in front of a, a church and just start uh, having people clap or boo. Based on their favorite music genre, the room would separate really quickly.
2: Yeah.
1: Wow! Hey, how many of you love country? No. How many of you hate country? How many of you love rap? <laughs> how many of you hate rap? How many of you? I mean, pretty quickly, man. It would you. There'd be the lines drawn, and so with worship, worship is should design is designed to unite because mm-hmm. ultimately we're lifting up the name of Jesus. We're singing about his uh, character and who he is. We're being reminded of who he is and what he's done and worshiping in spirit and truth. You think of the conversation of Jesus and the woman at the well, it's like, well, here's our tradition and there, there's yours. And he's like, man, it's not about that. You know, it's a wow. God, the spirit. And those are, they that worship, worship in spirit and truth. So in a sense, you've kind of got this incredible opportunity with music Because music is emotional and it does, you know, but you have this liability also, which is people's different tastes in music and how they feel about Mm -hmm. it. So I think, you know, one of the things I I look for are, and not that we can, we're not going to bat a thousand, you can't please all the people all the time and everything, but I look for opportunities to bring people together. So is, you know, we did this, we call it one big party last weekend, but we do the earth, wind and fire thing. Okay. Somebody's going to walk in and go, that's weird, man. Earth, wind and fire at a church. It just feels (laughs) unholy. Um, But a lot of people in our church, I mean, you're going, how can you not like earth, wind and fire? Who, who seriously, like, like who doesn't like earth, wind and fire? You, you might, you might uh, find somebody just like, you know what, that's, what's wrong. You know, we mix the world in or something, but you know, and again, that September wasn't our worship set, but it was common ground. Choir is again—that to me, that's another. It is so unifying Mm. because you're like everybody, regardless of your race, gender, where you grew up in the country. Like a choir is—it's unifying. It's powerful, visually unifying. It's—you know—if you're trying to win American Idol, man, and you're in the—you're coming down the home stretch. What do you do? Bring out a dog on choir. Like (laughs) it, it just feels good. So, so like that type of thing, I mean, adding to where people can see, you know, they see themselves represented, you're engaged with it, the the voices themselves all coming together in unity, um, to me that accomplishes a lot of what, you know, worship does in bringing us connected to God and the fact we're all in the room coming together. So we look for those opportunities to do that. Mm. Um, And then also, I think you, 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 when it comes to, again, what songs you pick and everything, obviously there's the message of the songs and, and that's another conversation. But I, I I would say like, even the, who, like, who are you? Like, I think, I think being true to who you are, people can tell, like, like if you looked at our church and it is a reflection, uh, a lot of, of of how God's made me because I, I, a lot of the things I value most and, you know, uh, what the leaders in our church value and th- those particular expressions, I think, mm-hmm. uh, is why you need so many different churches and different expressions, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, to me, it's like, I, I want to, I was talking. I heard somebody talking one time. I can't remember who it was, but they were talking about songwriting and they were essentially saying, if you sit down and you're, you you know, you overthink what does the market want and what does everybody thinks cool and what sells right now and all this, you're probably going to write a a pretty (laughs) uninspiring song. Yeah. Like the the starting point being like, dude, I'm going to write something I really love and I really want to sing. Not not in a self-indulgent way, but in like a way that is, it captures your heart. Wow. You know what I mean? Like I, our our messages certainly with our church in mind and everything, but if the sermon hasn't captured my heart,
0: mm-hmm. if I'm not
1: excited to get up there and communicate, it's just gonna kind of go through the motions.
0: That's really good.
1: And so I think from like whether it's a style thing or the song itself, like have you sat with it? Like, is it?
0: Is let me pause Let me pause you right there because there's such an identity piece to what you're saying right now and i think uh, we can all agree that like there's a bit of an identity crisis in our culture as a as a country and and i dare say maybe even as a church at large with a capital c and you know something really changed my life probably a year and a half ago it's when i was sitting down with a pastor friend and You know, we were just talking about different responses in the COVID era and how people were shifting and pivoting. And he just looked at me and he said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I don't know if it really matters what I want to do. And he goes, well, God called you to pastor this church. Why don't you pastor it? How he's created you to pastor it. And it just changed the way that I thought about leadership, about pastoring. And even in the context of leading worship, being true to the person that God made you to be and, let's be honest, like our identity comes from, I mean, in Christ, that's literally our identities in Christ. Talk about that for a little bit, because I think that's, that's a little bit of how you, your church, your culture identifies itself is, you know, we would always say like, man, like, let's not try to write a song this style. Let's just get you and you and you in the room and see what comes out of it. And what has that been like for you guys? Because I mean, you guys have been a church for how many years now? And I'm sure it's changed along the way. But you stayed true to who you are. How do you do that in a culture and in a day and age where it's like every new week it's a new flavor?
1: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, so we've been in church for eleven years, and and um, I think I think that idea of being comfortable in your own skin and and being authentic and in what inspires you, and again, I I think being the fact that I enjoy the creative process. Like not 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 just in what we what we get done. Although I like getting stuff done, I like being productive. <laughs> but like the the journey itself of creativity and creating and uh, all of that, I I I personally enjoy. I get a lot out of it. Like I was even I I, I and a lot of my bonding with our team comes actually as we work because for me it doesn't. I, I don't feel the need to do a ton of extracurriculars like I, like. Hey man, we we all need to go to Top Golf. Like I'm I'm cool with that. <laughs> but I don't feel a need for that because when we're when we're like working on one big party or we're we're creatively ideating or um, talking about what inspires us, you know, seeing what inspires Blaze or Christy or Brandon or Lauren or Nate or like people on our team. Like I see the stuff that's like kind of lighting them up. That stuff I feel tremendously bonded, mm. and then we end up bringing something. To God and inviting our church in to something that we really uh, are excited to, to give to God, to sacrifice, to worship Him with. And, and I think people can sense that in terms of even how it's delivered. And mm-hmm. and so. Um, but, yeah, I, I think, you know, as you, you fight for self-awareness and you're going, what are those expressions that like, what's fresh in my heart? Mm -hmm. what's God doing in me and uh and sharing that with the church I think I I think it starts to kind of develop you know your your culture right culture is how it feels how does your church feel and for I think what we've seen personally in our church is a big part of our uh the feel of our church is authenticity I mentioned earlier Mm -hmm. I don't mind stuttering a bit uh in in my communications prepared i've worked my tail i'm not winging it Mm -hmm. but like i don't mind a little stuttering and so i think you end up attracting those people right that are less worried about it being perfect care more about the the heart of it the authenticity of it and they can latch on to it and then i think they are probably a little more willing to uh bear with you through something that may not be their personal taste because they feel the authenticity of it and then i think it inspires them to to do
0: Mm. What are some of those those core values that you guys share? Like, I mean, authenticity, I'm hearing as one of those core values. I've heard you mention unity many times. And I wanted to say this too, because having been at your church and just kind of been in rooms with you, you definitely have this way of, you know, i think you draw who you are and i think uh you reach those who kind of identify in that similar manner of your style and all that good stuff but there's also something to be said about unity how you can bring people together that maybe they don't think like you maybe they they wouldn't uh naturally find themselves inclined to uh be in that style and and one of the things i love about you know i I just think when you pursue unity diversity is a uh is going to be a byproduct of that and and you guys have that in your church we've seen it here in richmond um but i definitely feel like a lot of churches right now are putting diversity on this platform and funny enough unity doesn't always come along with that and when i read psalm 133 verse 1 it says how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity there's something about being unified that will bring diverse people groups and thinkers and and maybe i'm off with that understanding but i mean what does it look like to to promote unity to dwell in unity and have that on your team have that in your church and and seeing the outpouring of seeing the outpouring of diversity as a byproduct of that unity
1: yeah so some of this probably is going to sound painfully uh obvious but I think the only way something like that happens is if you actually value it. Wow. So, so, I mean, I think you have to be honest with yourself. Like, how much do you really value diversity? Because the prefix mm. for diversity and the prefix for division are the same. Like, it's, it's well, you know, I mean, they are. So, so I think you've got to go, diversity is extremely difficult because we have some built-in conflicts we're going to see things through a different lens and that's all kinds of diversity. It's called cultural. It's even personality diversity. If you have a one person who bonds over conflict and the other person who uh, bonds over peace and harmony, I mean, you you know, I mean, some personality types literally bond over conflict. That's why they look for it. They're trying to bond. So, you know, you've got generational um, all kinds of different differences that it's hard, it is difficult to be unified. So unless you actually value that, truly value it, not just, mm. hey man, that sounds like a really cool idea or <clears throat> we think it would look good aesthetically or something like that. I, I think if that's your true motive, uh, it's, it's not gonna work because it's gonna get really hard and uh, it, you're probably not gonna wanna pay the price. Wow. So, like, for me, the idea, particularly of racial unity, yeah, dude, that's been in me since, since I was a kid, right? Wow. That's that was ingrained in me by my parents. Like, that was part of my environment growing up. Mm. So, like, for me, that it, it is a huge value, which means I've been willing to be punished for it. I've been willing to be misunderstood for it. I've been willing to take some bullets and pay that price, and and uh, it, but it is also very natural to who I who I am. Mm-hmm. And then I think you have to know who you are, be confident enough in what God's called you to do and who you are to just stay true to that. Mm. And then you will find yourself uh, with people who are aligned to to that. And I would say, you know, so I was introduced to a unique, uh, to a term recently, it was new for me. We were talking actually to a guy who's like a marketing, digital marketing expert, and and he brought up the term psychographic. Hmm. Which, which I wasn't familiar with. Obviously, I, we, all, we all know what demographics are. Mm-hmm. Brought up psychographics and psychographics are basically people's values or psychology, the way they think. So, for example, some people come to church because they're looking for a church where they agree with everything. So, so right. essentially, they've already decided, man, this is what I believe about whatever, politics, mm-hmm. theology, whatever. So, when they go to a church, they're looking for who's the best spokesman for what i The way I see it, Mm -hmm. other people from a psychological standpoint, show up to an environment, show up to an environment, actually looking to have their thoughts, beliefs, challenged. they like to have challenge. Mm. So if you were to say something that challenged the way they thought it would, it it would stimulate them. It would excite them. They'd be like, oh man, I never thought of it like that. And they like that. They they Mm want to be challenged. They want you to say the Bible's not uh, a, a manual for living. What? I was, told, <laughs> I was taught that in, you know, Sunday school. No, it's a revelation of Jesus. Hold on a second. You know, wow. Now their brains in a knot. And they actually leave going, I like this guy because he challenged my thinking versus somebody else that's like, wait, no, no, you're saying something different than Mama said. I don't want to go, you know. So my personality type, my psychographic personally is I actually like having my thoughts challenged. I'll listen to an hour long lecture by an atheist. Because mm. I'm curious, man. Yeah. How did he come to his conclusion? Now I don't end up an atheist at the end of it because I, I can think for myself. But I'm really curious how he got to his conclusion. I'm curious people that vote differently differently than I might be inclined to. I'm very curious how they came to their conclusion. I'm I'm mm. curious what they really value. Not necessarily looking to blow holes theologically. I find myself very curious people that hold different theological opinions. I'm, I'll listen to long. I'll read a lot of stuff, of what they say, because I really want to understand it. I want to have my thoughts challenged. So mm-hmm. guess what? I've attracted those kind of people.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They're actually embrace the tension. They like it. They're hoping for it. They come Sunday and in the intro of my message, I'm going to tell them, here's the tension I'm run, run, running through. And then honestly, a lot of my messages, I don't even resolve the tension. I come out. I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm still wrestling with this man. And, and they're cool with it because they don't need it to have a happily ever after. Wow. So with that, because that's who I am, that's how I think. I have attracted those kind of people. But what I haven't done is cater to people that aren't like that, right? right I, I'm right. not going to give you a A plus B equals C. If that's really not what the Bible teaches, it's actually a teacher mm. you've got to sit in. So what's happened is we've ended up with a church I really like. And and I think sometimes you end up with pastors end up trying to acquiesce to who they're not. And who who, who do I think Curtis wants me to be? I better be like that. Mm. And so if they do that. then they end up surrounded by a bunch of people that expect them to be something they're not. So the fact that i kind of come to that piece with that Mm. and I try to understand it more and more so that we can really lean into it. um, but that that understanding of psychographic all of a sudden made a lot of sense to me. Wow. And and helped help me, I think, again, be more true to who I am. But then I think you end up with a church that may have all sort of like if you were to interview the average person from our church, you would find it'd be people who had strong opinions, they were strong thinkers, but probably are abnormally open to disagreeing with someone. Mm-hmm. We I preached a message a couple of months ago that was Fairly controversial to some, and I got some some heated responses from people that when I read it, I thought, "Oh, he's gone, she's gone, she's gone. I'll ne- I'll never see him again." Bro, they didn't leave. They, they actually they they stayed. Wow! It wasn't because they don't have strong opinions. It's because they're actually the kind of people that
0: don't like the mind
1: coexisting with people who who are different.
0: Wow. That's so good. And I think for us as worship leaders on that side of realizing, like, sometimes it is uh, deferring your preference. Sometimes it is laying that down. Other times it's standing your ground firm and not being afraid to be who God's called you to be.
1: Yeah, I got, can I do one real quick in to yeah. run out of time? Yeah. I'll say one other thing I feel like I've learned in the last few years is just like you with your kids, right? You look at your kids, you're like, what do they need right now? Do, do, do they need a strong talking to do they need encouragement do they need to be left alone they mm-hmm. need a little father something what do they need I think looking at the church even from a worship standpoint going what does the church need do we wow. need another pump up do we need another anthem do we need and they might if we might need to man we're gonna you know or do or do we need to let this breathe mm-hmm. do, do, you know do people are they looking for peace right now are they yeah. looking for to be energized or are they looking for peace? So I think being able to really read your church almost like you would your a family member yeah. and to go, what do they need to define it that clearly? Man, you know what people need right now is we need a, a breath of peace. Mm. And then you build and design the whole experience around peace. And it might mean we strip it way down, but we're doing it intentionally based on what we sense. We've gotten way better at that in the last few years. For a long time, we were so formulaic. It was just pump it up, pump it up, pump it up, pump it up.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: I think especially on the back end of COVID where everybody seemed like, you know, like, like just overwhelmed. On edge, on edge, overwhelmed.
0: overwhelmed. Everything's crashing. Yeah.
1: You know, it's like they didn't need more noise. They needed some like, and for us to know that and then serve, serve them in that way so we can't
0: we, we can't ever get locked into a formula that's for sure because the moment that you start to say it needs to be exactly like this it becomes routine and when it becomes routine it becomes boring and when it becomes boring i think the holy spirit's like all right my hands off like if you want to listen to me and follow me and be led by me be led by the spirit i'll show you some awesome things and i think you know one of the questions we ask everybody is how are you spirit led i think you just answered that Uh, in a nutshell. Pastor Greg, dude, thank you so much for your time. Um, I love every time we get to hang out, even if it's on Zoom. And uh, you're amazing, man. God bless you, dude. You've been listening to Worshipology with Curtis Parks. To learn more and to find resources for worship leaders and teams, you can visit curtisparks.com.